0: But man, high school kids, uh, a lot of you are high school leaders as well, and it feels like at high school camp, one of the things that would always happen when I was uh, a youth pastor was you always encourage students to unplug and get away from their phones. Uh, one year, we even brought a safe and said, your phones will be completely safe in this safe. Uh, please give us your phones. I kid you not, one kid cracked the code. <laughs> he wanted his phone. Oh, <laughs> sneaky dog. And he, he literally cracked the code and got his phone and uh, proceeded to spend the rest of the weekend on his phone, hiding under the covers of his bed. And, but man, it's, it's so interesting to see the culture shift from when I was in high school. Uh, I had a flip phone, did not have Instagram, did not have social media, did not have Twitter, uh, or this thing called TikTok. Um, I didn't have those things. But, but really, this social media generation has really changed the way we approach a lot of things in a lot of ways. In a lot of ways, it's also the exact same. And I was scrolling through Instagram. <laughs> Does anyone here over 50 have Instagram? I don't know. Are you familiar with Instagram? Yeah. Oh, it's great and it's awful. But Instagram is a a beautiful and terrible thing. I was scrolling through and I saw this guy named Rob Gronkowski. Does that name sound familiar? He was doing a little dance. He's a tight end of the NFL, which is a position in a sport. And he's... (laughs) I'm staying away from golf today, for the record. I'm staying away from golf golf illustrations. But a guy named Rob Gronkowski, and he's doing this weird little dance. He's just like shimmying around, and then he claps and jumps out of the way, and a sibling jumps in, and there are five Gronkowski brothers. I had no idea. But there are five Gronkowski brothers, and then it ends with Papa Gronk. And they're just doing their little dance, creating content for social media. And I started looking, and I was wondering... Why are his brothers famous? Because I clicked on every single one of them. Because, again, there's, there's something weird about this generation. We click on a lot of things on Instagram. And so I clicked on them, looked at them. All of them have a huge influence. And I started thinking, who are these guys? Like, why are they famous? And then that reminded me of there's a family uh, that's pretty famous these days for being famous. And when I describe them that way, who are they? Any idea? The Kardashians. The Kardashians. Thank you. The Kardashian family, why are they famous? They're famous for being famous. And the more you hang out with them, the more connected you are to them, the higher your status goes. One other guy, there's a guy, uh, he's a professional boxer. His name is Floyd Mayweather, kind of like Muhammad Ali, but a lot younger. Um, and he's got this posse that goes with him. They're called the money team. They're just these people who swarm to be around this famous person. They swarm to be around this, this, this famous, uh, he's, a, he's a, a rock star. I just want to be part of the band. I just want to be part of this community. I just want to follow this person. In the text today, we're going to see something pretty similar to that. Again, very similar in some ways, very different in other ways. But, but really it's this, they're looking, Jesus has his brothers, we're going to see his brothers in the story. They're looking to Jesus and they're following him, but John's going to give us some interesting details in the text that that isn't very encouraging in my estimation. We'll get to a point where it's encouraging, but it's not very encouraging at the beginning. It starts here in John chapter 7. It says this, after this, Jesus went about in Galilee. I apologize, I have to take a second to give a little bit of context. But it's going to be real quick. So yes, there are a handful of points, I'm going to fly through them. But after this, after what just happened, Jan- John chapter 6, Jesus fed 5,000, and then he walks on water, and then he, goes, he does this crazy thing describing that he's the bread of life. Like, that's kind of crazy. After feeding the 5,000, he also says, eat my flesh, which is, as we discussed, not the best evangelism strategy. If you're trying to get these people to come and follow you, Saying, Eat my flesh. If you're new here today, we are not cannibals. <laughs> as far as I know, I'm not. Then he goes there from there to many people grumble and leave, as you would understand, because that is a weird thing to say. They grumble and leave, and then he says, Do you want to go his way as well? And it ends on this beautiful note. Simon Peter answers, Where else would we go? Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words. Of eternal life. And I wish I could say that is what John wants us to have in mind as we jump into John chapter 7. But unfortunately, it doesn't end there on a high note. It ends on a low note. He says, Judas is a devil. John, why didn't you just end on that high note? And you can go back and listen to the sermon from last week. But why didn't you just end on a high note saying, man, look at this optimism. Where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life, Jesus. We want to follow you. We want to invest everything in following you. Yes, you said some crazy stuff. Eat my flesh. That's weird. But, but other than that, like, we are just so fired up. We just want to follow you. But instead, he gives us this. And I think it's setting the stage for us to come into John chapter 7 with a different attitude, with a different feeling, with a different uh, – he's setting us up for a different trajectory in the story. It doesn't end on the high note of to whom shall we go. Now we get to talk about something cool. It's Judas is a devil. I've chosen you, 12, and one of you is going to betray me. One of you is going to betray me. So John is using this, I think, as a pretty spectacular way to set up for our mind in this next piece that he wants us to see. He wants us to be drawn to the glory of God. He wants us to say, oh, man, one of the 12 that was with him is, a oof, that doesn't feel good. He's wanting us to stop and reflect. Jesus wants us to be motivated by God's glory. We get in our own way, don't we? Too often, we are the ones who pull ourselves away from this motivation. Let's unpack it. John chapter 7, verse 1. Again, it says, after this, Jesus went about in Galilee. He wouldn't go into Judea because the Jews were seeking to kill him. Hmm, all right. Kind of crazy. Now, the Jews' Feast of Booths was at hand. Also known as the Feast of Tabernacles. So his brothers said to him, leave here. His brothers, his own family. The guys who are following probably grew up with him, probably shared a bedroom with him at some point. Um, and Jesus did have brothers, probably younger brothers, most likely, realistically, theologically speaking. It makes more sense that there would be younger brothers, <laughs> like virgin birth is kind of important. Um, so, but after that, we don't hold the perpetual virgin birth. So his brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea that your disciples also may see the works that you're doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. Kind of an interesting piece that we'll come back to, but Jews are seeking to kill him. Interesting. And in the midst of this, his brothers, his posse, his squad, the guys who grew up with him, who were so connected to him, again, it doesn't say the 12, and then we do know the the backstory of these guys. Eventually, they go on to write the book of James, they go on to write the book of Jude Um, in the New Testament. They come to faith later on. But at this point, he gives us this thing where it says his brothers didn't even believe in him. So Jesus, you're doing all these miracles. You're doing some cool stuff. Come on, go, like, go do more. You know, get back in the ring. Don't retire. Don't come out of football if you're grown. Like Go get back in the ring. Come on, more, 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 more. Go do more miracles. Go feed more people. 5,000, we can top that. Go walk on water. We can top that. We can do something cooler. Jesus, go do more fun, cool stuff. We want to be associated with it. and This point is pretty fascinating because he does include that piece. His brothers didn't even know him. I had a professor in school who told us, when you're reading through the uh, New Testament, but even the Old Testament as well, when you're reading passages, a lot of authors will include these little speed bumps. And I drove a U-Haul down from Idaho in the last handful of uh, weeks, and <laughs> there's one thing you don't want to hit hard on a, sp- on a U-Haul, and it's a speed bump when you have you know, a 26-foot, you know, all of your belongings in a 26-foot U-Haul. Uh, so you go really, really slow over a speed bump. I encourage you, no matter what you're driving, go slow over a speed bump. Um <laughs> But they, we, they install these speed bumps in the passage. They include these speed bumps that they want you to slow down and pause. Not even his brothers believed in him. Jesus, go do miracles. Come on, do more, more, more. We want to see more of this. But they don't even believe in him. Why are they doing that? They seek it. They seek their own glory because they want to follow Jesus. They want to be connected rock star they want to be connected to him they want to be in the posse because the more famous he gets the more famous we get the more famous the kardashians get the, the rest of them get more famous the more famous rob gronkowski gets the more famous his brothers get and and they're all doing their own thing here but what we see here is they want to be connected to jesus they're not actually treasuring jesus they're not actually believing in jesus again john told us they don't even believe in him but they want him to continue to go on and get this fame get this notoriety go show yourself to the world we seek our own glory in a lot of ways just like that. We're connected to Jesus in a way. Again, connected in air quotes. We're we're connected, we follow him because of what we get out of it, the social status we get out of it. We wanna be part of his fan club. Uh, We want our seven seconds of fame. We wanna be able to say, I was there when XYZ happened. I was there when the heyday, when the glory day came. Um, Rising tides, you guys know that phrase? Rising tide raises all boats. And that is economics, but um, social, if you mind me applying that social economics, the more famous one person gets, the more famous we all get. As we invest more into this, the more fame that we can receive. The more identity we can cling on to. The more famous this person gets. If he's going famous, we're all going with him. Look at this. Jesus, look at how cool we could continue to go. And, And there are a lot of different motivations for this. We can also seek our own glory with the assumed authority we get from being around Jesus. Now, what it looks like here is a slightly different nuance, but what it could look like there's, we want our status to be more elevated. We follow Jesus because of the accolades, kind of like the PTA effect. Like I'm part of the PTA, I'm a parent teacher associate. I wanna be part of the PTA association. So I walk onto my kids' elementary school campus and everyone sees me and they know me and they know what I've done. In a similar way, we look at church. I'm part of the in crowd at church. You know, do you know how early I get here on Sunday mornings? Do you know how much I've given to be here today? And all these different attitudes. And and we get to a point where I, I set up this. Do you know what I set up? Do you know how many hours it took me to build this for the church? And we look at these things. We want to be connected to it so that we have this status. Look at all I've given to Jesus. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. Look at what I've done. We want our elevated stratus, a status. Potentially they want to learn some tricks and then start their own show. They want to see the miracles they've been doing. Maybe they're following Jesus. They're connected to Jesus because he's done really cool things. Because he's got this, this wild reputation of doing some cool tricks. He wants to learn. Maybe they want to learn some party tracks and take it off and do their own thing. Uh, they want to modern day find book deals. You ever heard of anyone who's followed Jesus and promoted Jesus so they could get a book deal? So they could go on a speaking tour? So they could have more fame? So they could buy another mansion, and buy another jet. That, that doesn't happen these days. <laughs> no, it's absolutely a reason. It's a huge motivation. You ever heard of a prosperity gospel preacher? Using Jesus as a marketing scheme? My wife and I were watching a documentary on, it wasn't Netflix, but it was some other streaming service, and it was about a megachurch that came to huge prominence and is actually actively in the process of kind of just crumbling to, a, uh, just to pieces. And one of the episodes they... Really nail it. It feels like they they have a pretty good idea of what's going on here. And they they say, you know what? What happened at this church is that they were a for-profit business that used Jesus as a marketing campaign. Jesus was the way they marketed it. Really, they were just trying to sell music. They were trying to sell T-shirts. They were trying to sell all these things. They were trying to make it look like they were so connected to Jesus. But at the end of the day, they were really holding the glory for themselves. It was a for-profit business with Jesus as a marketing campaign. And, folks, we kind of see that happening in the brothers today. The brothers are following Jesus. Look how popular we can get. Look at all the notoriety we can get. Look at the good things that happen. They're kind of treating Jesus like the UPS driver, like the FedEx driver, like the Amazon driver. A majority of us, I would wager, probably don't know our UPS driver very well. Does anyone, like, have a personal relationship with their UPS driver? COVID kind of changed things. We, like, leave cookies out and um, do all that stuff like thank you. But I don't, I don't know my, my Amazon driver, but I love what he gives me. I order things on Amazon, and in two days, in 48 hours, or if I order at the right time in one day, I can have it at my doorstep. I can go out, pick it up, and I don't have to ever acknowledge anything. They delivered a gift. They were a means to an end. I get to receive this thing that I want that's gonna make me happy, and I don't really have to deal with any of the consequences of actually being connected to the person who delivered them. It's kind of what the brothers are doing here. They see Jesus as a means to an end. They see him as a means to an end so I can have this status. Jesus, go do miracles. Get more following. If you want to actually do this, why are you doing it in secret? Go show the world. Jesus answers, my time has not yet come, but your time is always here. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify about it that its works are evil. You go up to the feast." I'm not going up to this feast for my time has not yet fully come. If you remember, if you've been with us for the last handful of months going through John, you remember the wedding at Cana. Jesus says the same thing to his mom when she says, go, like, do something, Jesus. And he says, my my time's not here yet. He's coming back to that again. My time is not here. And I do potentially think he's looking to the cross, but also he's about to reveal himself to the whole world. They want him to go in fame. They want him to go in this status. They want him to go up in this, this... It's a feast, like all of the Jews that are around in the area are going up to the temple. Jesus, now is your time. Go do it. We want to ride on your coattails. But Jesus doesn't go up the way they want him to. Verse 9 says, after saying this, he remained in Galilee. After his brothers had gone up to the feast, then he also went up. So does Jesus lie here? Simply put, no. I think he's just trying to get us to think differently about the way. It's the manner in which he goes up. No, I'm not going to go the way you want me to go. No, I'm not going to go up and just show my glory. I'm not going to go up and wreak havoc and just flip over tables at this point. I'm not going to go up and just make you guys more famous. You're not going to get the benefit of following me if you don't actually believe who I am. It's a face of unbelief. He's explaining to them, no, I'm not going to go up publicly, but I'm going to go up quietly. The way Jesus approaches this feast is Unreal. It's kind of silly how he goes on. We're going to get that in a second. But but I'm not going to go up publicly. I'm not going to go up and, and display my glory right off the bat. Again, all these people just left him. Eat my flesh. You know, I'm going to walk on water. All of these things he just did that are really bringing up a lot of excitement, a lot of energy around Jesus. And then he leaves us on this weird down note. He wants us to kind of be contemplative here. No, I'm not going to go up in the way you want me to go up in glory. I'm going to go up privately. The Jews were looking at him at the feast saying, where is he? They're trying to find where Jesus is. How is he here? Where has he shown up? They're looking at him at the feast saying, where is he? There's much muttering about him among the people. While some said he's a good man, others said, no, he's leading people astray. Again, they miss who Jesus is, another face of unbelief. Yet for fear of the Jews, no one spoke openly. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up to the temple. <laughs> he begins teaching. If you're trying to go up quietly, if you're trying to go up privately, The moment where thousands of Jews are centered at the temple to give their tithes, like their annual tithes that they're bringing, all this stuff, everyone is at the temple. Do you think it's a solid move to go up if they're seeking to kill you? Is it a solid move to go up and start teaching in the temple? Not the best idea. He shows up and really starts causing a ruckus. And the Jews are finally realizing, John wants us to see that they're trying to seize power. The the religious leaders who are going to see the way Jesus goes about this they want to take power back from themselves. So again, we have these three ways that we are seeking our own glory. We do it by following. We're like the brothers, so we want to be connected to Jesus. We want to get our glory from the assumed authority, the authority that we want to take. and I want this so that I can go be an authority, and I can go sign book deals. I can do this, I can do that. I can do whatever. I can have this recognition among my church body. But here, we see that we seek our own glory by seizing power and authority. For ourselves and that's what we see in the religious leaders the jews therefore marveled saying how is it that this man has learning when he's never studied has not moses given you the law we're jumping ahead this is now jesus rebuked them. has not moses given you the law that yet none of you keeps the law why do you want to kill me we have the brothers who are saying jesus go do more go do more i want to follow you more 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 this is so exciting look at the fun ride that we're on right now together then we see the religious leaders who are trying to kill jesus We seek our own glory in a lot of different ways. And these are two opposite ends of the spectrum. Maybe you find yourself on one. I would imagine none of you are actively trying to kill Jesus right now. Maybe. I mean, if you are, we can chat later. But realistically, we're probably not trying to kill Jesus. We're not trying to be like Jesus' brother. But in a lot of ways, we're doing the same things. We're trying to distance ourselves from Jesus. I want my authority back. I don't want to have to submit to the authority of the king, of the ruler, of the Lord. I don't want to have to listen to what Jesus has to say. He's shaking things up. Jesus, don't you get the law? Don't you understand the way we've done this for all of history past? Don't you realize what you're doing? Stop shaking things up. We want you to actually see that we are in charge here. And this, again, <laughs> probably not what modern day readers are thinking necessarily as we, uh, as, as we jump into this. But, but man, oh man, what a wild rebuke that he has. them. why do you want to kill me? We seek our glory by seizing power. Sometimes we try and remove Jesus from our life entirely. We're hurting for this glory. We're glorifying beings. We're worshiping beings. We need something to worship. And Jesus is standing right in front of us saying, hey. (laughs) He's standing right in front of us saying, I'm the one who satisfies. I'm the one who can deliver. I'm the one who can actually transform your life and satisfy your deepest longings for glory, for fame, for being in the spotlight. I'm the one who has the ability to satisfy that. But we just want to be connected to him for our own notoriety for the wrong reason. We're going to be connected to him so that we can push him away. We approach him in all these different ways. But we try and remove him entirely in some ways. Jesus, I've got it from here. You don't have to keep trying to teach. You don't have to keep trying to show me the, the way to eternal life. I've got it. I'm okay. I can take the reins on my own. Just different approaches. We seek our glory and rely in a variety of ways. And then the second point, Jesus now comes into the scene. He's going to give us a different example Of what it looks like. So we saw two really, really wrong ways. Again, the speed bump that wants us to see this is a face of unbelief. When I'm seeking my own glory in a bunch of different ways. In a variety of ways. Whether I want my authority back and that will bring me glory. Whether I'm trying to just be connected to him just so I can stand in just the side of the spotlight. Just to get in a little bit. There are a bunch of different ways that we find ourselves seeking our own glory. And here is what Jesus is actually going to encourage us. It says, Jesus shows us that true belief seeks God's glory. Verse 15, the Jews therefore marveled, saying, how is it this man has learning when he's never studied? So Jesus answered them. Uh, pretty, pretty weird thing to say. My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. This was actually pretty common for uh, a rabbi to say something like that. They would generally give credit to whoever spoke them. Kind of like how these days we, we quote other authorities. Uh, Jesus is kind of doing the same thing that another rabbi would do, quoting the authority who trained him. How does this guy know when he hasn't had learning? What it literally says is this man knows his letters. Like he knows his ABCs. How do they know that? Um, I think it's kind of a silly way to dis- describe Jesus. But Jesus answered, my teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. Who sent him? Implied question. Who is the one who sent him? The father. Wait, so you're not going to reference another rabbi. You're not going to reference another person that we recognize. You're not going to rec- uh, reference a person that we are familiar with. You're actually referencing, man, you're saying that you were Connected to him? How dare you? Again, if they're seeking to kill him, like that's pretty good evidence to kill him. So Jesus answered, My teaching isn't mine. Is there one person on the universe who could actually rightfully accept glory and receive glory? We saw two bad examples. Brothers, you're accepting, you're, you're seeking glory. Jewish leaders, you're seeking glory on your own. But is there one person in the whole universe who could actually rightfully accept glory and receive glory to himself? Named Jesus. But instead of receiving glory, instead of accepting and just more, 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 yeah, you guys get it, more glory, more glory, more glory. Instead of that, what he's doing is he actually deflects to Jesus. He actually refocuses us to Jesus and, or to, to God the Father and says, my teaching isn't mine, but him his, who sent me. He wrote, refocuses glory rather than seeking it for himself, rather than trying to jump deeper into the spotlight. Again, this is profound because Jesus is the one guy who can actually do that. We saw two really bad examples of what it looks like to try and force yourself into the spotlight. And the guy who can actually rightfully stand in the center of the spotlight is saying, no, it's actually God. Actually focus on God. Put the glory on the Father. So Jesus refocuses glory to its rightful place. What does it look like for us to practice right belief? Again, the book of John is all about belief and unbelief. We have some real bad examples of unbelief. But belief refocuses glory to its rightful place. If anyone's will, verse 17 If anyone's will is to do God's will, he'll know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. Talking about motivations here. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. But the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true. And in him, there's no falsehood. He's rebuking the religious leaders yet again. He's saying, you guys are practicing unbelief. There are a lot of faces of unbelief. He's saying very clearly, you're practicing unbelief. Belief. What does it look like to trust and treasure Jesus? It doesn't look like the way you guys are doing. It. it looks like focusing the glory on God. The one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory, but the one who seeks the glory of him who sent him is true, and in him there is no falsehood. We refocus our motivations on his glory. We focus. As our motivation, what is our motivation and what are we trying to accomplish in every conversation we have in everything that we, we discuss together in every action we do, every time we set foot on campus here, every time you step into work and every conversation you have in the office, what is the focus of what you're doing? What is the focus of that conversation? What is the motivator? What's the critical motivator behind it? Friends, we so often are motivated by our own glory. It looks a lot like me, 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 rather than God. Rather than focusing on the glory of God and everything we do, we refocus our motivations on his glory. We move ourselves to awe. We study this book. We look at this book. We look deeper into the person of Jesus so that we can actually be drawn to his goodness, drawn to his greatness, drawn to his glory. We refocus our motivations on him. Jesus, verse 21, he answers them. I did one work. Most likely, I mean, he's referring to uh, raise the man because they're talking about the Sabbath. Most likely, he's talking about John 5 where he raised the man from uh, the, the guy who couldn't walk at the pool of Bethesda. Jesus answered them, I did one work, and you marvel at it. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it's from Moses, but actually from the fathers, kind of prodding them, saying, actually, you might not actually understand what you're talking about very well. You, again, you're trying to put yourself in the spotlight, and you don't even understand the law. You don't even understand how to interpret this thing. I did one work, and you marvel. Moses gave you circumcision, not that it's from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise the man on the Sabbath. If on uh, on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses may not be broken, are you angry with me because on the Sabbath I made a man's whole body well? Again, they're trying to kill him. The Jewish leaders are trying to kill Jesus. The glory of God in flesh. They're looking at him saying, you're doing it wrong, Jesus. And he's actually going to start poking back, which I appreciate. (laughs) He's he's taking a beating kind of and now he's going to push back a little bit and say, no, actually you guys don't even understand the law. No, you're not supposed to do anything on the Sabbath, but you're conflicting laws. Part of the rule is uh, circumcision on the eighth day. So if you're born on the Sabbath and later on on the eighth day, it's going to be Sabbath again. And so you're actually doing a work, cutting a piece of skin off. You're actually doing something on the Sabbath. That's work. You're not allowed to do that on the Sabbath because you're not allowed to work. Jesus is prodding them, poking them, saying, you don't even understand the law. You don't even understand what you're talking about. You think I'm breaking the law for making a man's whole body well. You're trying to stay in right standing. You're trying to save yourself by pursuit of the law. You're trying to get yourself into right standing with God, and I'm standing right in front of you. But go ahead and do your little Sabbath debates on, you know, do, go ahead and debate the law and do all these different things. But what Jesus wants us to see is, no, don't get lost in that. Jesus is standing. The glory of God is standing right in front of you. We glorify Jesus because there's no one more worthy. The satisfaction of the law is right in front of him. And they want to debate the law. They want to discuss the law. They want to get mad at him. They want to crucify him. They want to kill him because he's actually making a person well. He's actually restoring life. He's actually giving someone another shot at life to walk around and do his thing. And they're actually trying to critique him for what he's done when he's here to satisfy the law. Again, he's going to critique him right here. Don't judge by appearances, but judge with rightful judgment. He's saying, folks, you've been so glued to the law. Again, one of two ways. We just want to be associated with Jesus for fame, disbelief, misunderstanding of who he is. He's just a really cool magician, a magic worker. Or over on the other side, we have the religious rulers who are trying to earn their way. And Jesus is saying, you've been trying so hard to get the glory for yourself. You've been trying so hard to do the right things, uh, to, to, to earn your own way, to find glory, to find satisfaction in yourself. You're trying to put the spotlight on yourself. And folks, it doesn't work. So now Jesus says, the right way to do this, the right way, deflect glory back to the Father, refocus glory back to the Father. And he says, don't judge by appearances. The way it looks. Yes, you've gone through strict training to make sure you can fulfill and satisfy the law, but I'm standing right in front of you. You're trying to bring glory to yourself in your perfect living. You're trying to bring glory to yourself by doing the right thing, by by having all your ducks in a row by having everything lined up so everything is prim and proper, everything is clean cut. And he's saying, don't focus on bringing glory to yourself, but judge with right judgment. Don't judge by appearances. Literally what he's saying is, don't judge a book by its cover. Like the elementary school rule, but the religious leaders missed it. But we never miss that stuff, right? We never miss that. We don't, we don't judge books by covers. I think in a lot of ways we do. He shows us what true belief looks like. So here's some takeaways. We are glorifying beings. We are worshiping beings, worshipful beings. God created us to worship. And from the moment we were born, we started learning very quickly how to worship ourselves, how to bring glory to ourselves. And as Jesus is going to point out very, has pointed out very clearly, it doesn't actually lead to anything of value. How many famous celebrities are there that have made it? I mean, I don't know Rob Gronkowski's story, but, 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 but look at the rest of the celebrities that we have who are just, you know, cases of, I had everything I wanted. I had the status. I had the fame. I had the glory. And then a mental break. I had all the things I needed. I had money. I had wealth. I had status. And then it wasn't enough. It didn't actually satisfy. These things that we're pursuing, the fame, the glory, And whatever that looks like for you, and whatever glory you are pursuing, whether, again, it's PTA stuff, whether it's what your kids are up to and having the perfect family, whether it's looking forward to your future and knowing I will lead this company someday, whatever you're looking for glory and whatever you're trying to step into the spotlight for, Jesus says, refocus it on me. We are glorifying beings. We're constantly worshiping something. There is something that we're all worshiping. It's how we're wired. Jesus is encouraging us. Refocus it. Pride. It's a silent killer. What are you doing when you're seeking your own glory? Rooting yourself in pride. Ruining it in pride. It's a silent killer. The solution? Finding more security in Jesus. We're finding security. We're searching. We're seeking for glory in all of the wrong things to make ourselves satisfied. We're trying to self-fulfill If I could only have this, if I could only be this, if I could only do this, if I was only viewed this way, then I would be fine. Then it would be good. Life would be stellar. But pride itself, when we bring glory to ourselves, pride is a silent killer. Seek Jesus. And then finally, satisfaction. Again, as he talks to the the rulers and the authorities in in the temple, he goes up to the temple and starts spitting truth at them. And they're saying, no, 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 we we want to kill you. And Jesus is saying, no, you actually don't understand the law. If you understood what this entire book was pointing to, if you understood all of what you spent your lifetime studying, if you understood this, you would see that he's standing right in front of you. You'd see that I am the one who's satisfying, not all of the different ways you're looking for meaning. True satisfaction. As we're searching for glory, as we're glorifying beings, as we're looking to glorify something, and oftentimes it's ourselves, as we're searching for this, the only thing that will satisfy is bringing it to Jesus. The only source of true ultimate satisfaction is found in Jesus. So here are two, uh, (laughs) I don't know if these are valuable or not. You guys tell me. But um, just having a tangible, they're kind of cheesy. So that's what I mean by that. But they're kind of cheesy. So uh, as you look at your first conversation each day. As you look at your first conversation you have every morning when you wake up for the next week, Monday morning, you all are going to go out and have a conversation, whether it's with your kids, whether it's with a friend, a neighbor, whether you go and mow the lawn on Monday. Maybe that's your Monday thing. Um, it was my Monday thing. I loved it. Um, I don't have a lawn anymore, but <laughs> California. But uh, whatever your first conversation is, the first conversation you have today, afterwards reflect for a moment. As you go through your week, your first conversation, reflect and see where was I placing glory? Was I trying to get to the, be the first person in the office? So that boss walks in and I see, that is a hard worker. When I look into VBS, adventure weekend, am I trying to be here as early as I possibly can and just devote everything so I can share that I've done such, so much hard work, that I've worked so hard? Again, do you know how much energy I put into this? Do you know how, much, how hard I've worked for this? Is the focus directed on ourself? Where is the spotlight? Are we putting it on ourselves? And then every time you come up to a uh, stoplight. And I chose stoplight, red light, because stop and spot have the same letters. It's kind of funny. Or not. Whatever. I thought it was funny. Refocus at every red light. I did it this morning. I was sitting at a left turn light on uh, Richfield-Norrenstorp. Is that the train track? Richfield-Norrenstorp. And uh, it was an overwhelmingly long red light. And I knew that this was the last takeaway. And the entire time I was focused on ah, I, just, I don't want to sit here anymore, I was just grumbling at myself. I hate red lights. I hate traffic. I hate red lights. Um, and I hate when the temperature goes over 100 degrees. But that's beside the point. <laughs> Every time you sit at a red light this week, refocus. As you're lost in your mind sitting at that red light, I'm kind of mindless at red lights. Spend that time to evaluate. What am I searching for right now? What am I seeking? Whose glory? What glory? How how do the conversations I've had today reflect God's glory? And I'm not going to try and say like squeeze squeeze a sneaky gospel presentation into every conversation. I don't think that's necessarily the takeaway, but, but every conversation, everything we're doing, everything that comes out of our mouth, everything that we're expressing to others, where is the spotlight? So take a chance at a stoplight to focus on the spotlight. Where am I focusing my time? Where am I investing? What am I actually seeking? Whose glory am I seeking? Is my seeking representing belief? that Jesus is satisfying, or is it representing unbelief and disbelief? So pray with me. God, thank you for being so good to us. Thank you for the grace that you've shown. Thank you for being the satisfying treasure. God, when we're looking for everything, we're looking for meaning in everything, thank you for being the one who actually brings true meaning, the one who actually satisfies, the one who... We can look forward to as the one who will truly deliver satisfaction. God, as we look forward to this week, show us what it looks like to find elements in our life where we're actually looking for our own glory a little more than we should be. Where we're looking closer at what can I do for my own good and a little less about what can I do for your good. God, show us what it looks like to be overwhelmed and consumed by your glory. We pray this all for your glory and our joy. Amen.